You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to Season 9, Episode 5 of the Scottish Football Forums podcast. Uh, I'm John. Um, we can't have the other John on tonight, um, but we do have Chris. Hey. Hello. Uh, and we also have a former SFA Grey 3 referee in the podcast tonight, so best behaviour to me and you. Um, that's probably why John hasn't made it tonight, because he'd get sent off for swearing. <laughs> so welcome aboard, uh, Derek Rothers. I'll probably get sent off for swearing as well. <laughs> you, has the referee ever done that, sent himself off? <laughs> uh, well, you probably, probably could you probably could do that. Uh, appeal your own red card. <laughs> Fast tracker. <laughs> for the games next week. (laughs) (laughs) So the reason we asked you on Derek is obviously uh, you you were a former uh, referee with SFA. I understand you were there for about 13 years um, for the SFA and uh, is it Lanarkshire Referee Association as well? How how was it up until that point? Yeah, I was a a member for Lanarkshire Referees Association for 13 years. Obviously, I went through the grades. I was uh, 10 years on the senior list of referees. I made it up to Category 2 referee. I was one promotion away from being a Category 1 referee. Um, unfortunately, I didn't make it to Category 1. I was demoted back to Category 3. And I went on the other path, uh, pathway to become a specialist assistant referee. Uh, unfortunately, I never made it to that grade either. And they decided to call it a day. Yeah. What What was the tipping point for you? Uh, tipping tipping point. Uh, well, Lancashire Referees Association was was always a, it was always the leading association in uh, in Scotland, and uh, unfortunately, our association manager passed away a few years ago, and. Ray Morrison, he was always he was always a a mentor that you could trust and you respected him. Because if he didn't think you were a good referee, he would tell you he was a, you weren't a good referee. If he thought you were too fat, he would tell you you were too fat. If he thought you were unfit, he would tell you you were unfit. So when he passed away, uh, we ended up John Fleming promoted Brian Winter, his buddy, and he became the association manager. And Brian Winter then promoted his buddy, George Drummond, into the assistant association manager. And to be honest, like the, the last few years of the association, we, under the guidance of Brian Winter and George Drummond, there was just a, a decline in the association as well as they just they, these guys weren't upfront and honest with you. Uh, they were upfront and honest to everybody else behind your back, but they wouldn't be upfront and honest to your face. Um, so 
last year, um, I never get promoted. I never get promoted season 2017 and 18. Uh, I was one of the top performing category three referees at the grade at the time. Uh, I was uh, I was pushing for promotion as a specialist assistant referee, and I never get promoted. And I was kind of up against a guy that was in our association, and my marks were better than his marks so, that season. So you, so Derek, um, your line cut um, a lot about there seems to be a connection. Where are you going with that? Um, who was promoted in, instead of you, or who was in your way? Uh, well, me and a friend, we bo- both of the same association. We were we were both going to look for specialist assistant referee, and um, that season I wasn't promoted. Although my my marks were higher than young Daniel that was promoted. Um, so I remember getting a phone call for George Drummond and. He phoned me so to tell me that I hadn't been promoted. So I asked him if uh, Daniel had been promoted. And he's like, aye, Daniel's been promoted to so like SAR uh, development. That's the grade before SAR. Uh, so I was like, I've put an off on one so on the phone call. So basically saying that it was shocking given that my marks were so like, one of the best marks uh, in the country so for category three referees pushing for so like uh, SAR development and um, I basically I let him have it basically saying that it was shocking because I know how he how he how he'd been promoted ahead of myself because he's a police officer he's in a professional job I'm a truck driver and that's the way the cookie crumbles with the SFA. Uh, that was kind of rubbish on the phone call, but everybody that's involved in refereeing knows that if you come from a professional background, police officer, solicitor, teacher, that type of line of work, you've always got a chance of making it in refereeing, which to me isn't fair. It should be ability first and then tick the rest of the boxes if you do tick boxes. But it seems to be with the SFA, you tick other boxes. So I did I didn't get promoted that season and I had actually I'd made it made it to myself that I would give it one more season, uh, try and push out for that SAR development and um performed well that again that season. Various supervisors out, everything was hunky dory, felt as if I was in a, a strong position. For promotion, I was told I was going for promotion at Christmas. Uh, there was no, there was no discussion about that at Christmas. Uh, I had a run in with John Fleming, the uh, association manager, George Drummond, and uh, Brian Winter during the. Don't know if you remember the Beast for the East. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a run in with the guys during the the Beast for the East. Uh, I had actually I had changed jobs to change jobs to uh, I had changed jobs. I was doing the I was doing say, like vehicle recovery work, and unfortunately I couldn't get away one Sunday to go to a regional training day that the SFA hold through at uh, Harry Watt University. Uh, couldn't get away. Made it clear to the SFA that 
to like job comes first, have to blah blah blah. blah. Um, there was about four emails that correspondence from various different people, and I was just really get fed up, so like jump through hoops for the SFA. And come the end of the season, needless to say, I didn't get promoted. I got the phone call, and uh, the excuse that was labelled was uh, not a day with performances, not a day with fitness. It was uh, you never attended a regional training day, and that was the first regional training day that I'd never attended in 13 years of being an official. So was disappointed. So I went away on holiday, thought about it. 13 years being an official, you know, so I put my heart and soul in here and decided, nah, enough's enough. <laughs> so that was it. <laughs> I resigned. So for the, just to yeah, kind of go back a bit, for the listeners that might not know, because um, they kind of think of the referees as the SFA, um, you're part of the, the Lanarkshire Refereeing Association. Part of the Referees Association. Uh, when, I, when I come into refereeing, um, it's it's very cliquey. So, like, um, when I come into refereeing, there were six people in the, so like the referee class, whereas nowadays you'd probably get about 50 people so attending a, so like a new entrance class, but there was six people, and I was the only person so to attend training. And uh, very clicky when when I first started going to training, nobody really say, like, spoke to you, and uh, there was like a pecking order. So, like, when you were running your groups, you know you would have say, like the category one referees would run at the front, then you would have the SARs next, and then it would go with say, like what grade you are, regardless of your fitness and stuff like that. You know you could be the fittest guy there, but if you weren't a category one referee, you weren't running at the front, you wouldn't overtook you wouldn't overtake guys like you Dallas or Stuart Dugo, you know, it would be totally frowned upon. Uh, so when you get into refereeing it is a, a very clique um that's what I found Charlotte in the early days uh Charlotte refereeing. Um, you would expect it to be a bit more Charlotte open and welcoming. And I think uh, probably lose some guys in the early days to training, just because of issues like that. And do you think once you got kind of, did you ever get into one of the cliques? Is that how you were able to progress um, as far as you did, or were you? Really, did it just change in a way that was a bit less cliquey? Well, what what kind of happened was I get taken under the wings of a. Two senior referees that were so like servicing the south of Scotland and east of Scotland league, and uh, Jim McConney and Scott Jimison. And as I was a young official, I'm just looking so to gain experience. Uh, so like been out as an assistant referee as well as so like refereeing any, any input. So, so these older guys so like take me under their wings and. Like on a Saturday, I would go away with them and say, like, be an assistant referee for them, say, like, in the, the South of Scotland, the East of Scotland League. Uh, so, like, Jim McConney, he's still a friend, a friend of mine, say, like, after all these years, you know, say, like, uh, probably speak to him every second day, every third day, you know. Um, apart from that, don't really keep in touch with many other people that are involved 
in refereeing, it seems to be so you're kind of used when you're involved in refereeing to you're kind of used to say like uh, run the associations they need they need volunteers to run these associations I served as an executive committee member for Lanarkshire for five years um, so I, I, I kind of integrated with some guys once I got on the once I was on the committee um, I really tried to so break down the barriers uh, so like the, the cliqueiness and not just myself so like Jim McConney, Scott Jimison and we worked hard as an association so to build the attendances at training and stuff like that uh, we were we, we, Lanarkshire Association's got like 250 members. Uh, you're probably talking about the highest attendance at training. It's probably between 16 and 7. But <laughs> it's when you look at the training now, it's uh, under the guidance of Brian Winter and George Drummond. The, the highest attendance is now 20. And I think the hard work that we've done so we can try and break the barriers down. Uh, other barriers have come in, and this is if the association is uh, like, uh, like 10 two steps forward, but four back. Uh, the, the impression that I mean, uh, the impression I've had from looking on the outside is there's a hell of a lot of referees from Lanarkshire. I mean, obviously, Lanarkshire's just one association. Is there other ones that are within the SFA that are supplying referees we're just not seeing? Uh, well, for Lancashire Association, you've got you've, you've got your category one referees, you've got your John Beaton, your uh, Andrew Dallas, and David Lowe. They're your your three category one referees. Uh, they've got about six or seven specialist assistant referees. Then you've got Glasgow that's got your your Willie Collins, your Stephen McLean, your Bobby Madden, you know. So like uh, they these these are the bigger associations, so it's it's only right that they're actually probably going to have a bigger pool, yeah. uh, so like the the higher grade referees. Um, like if you go to the south of Scotland, they've they've only got the one category one referee. Uh, in my opinion, poor poor referee. But given so like the logistics and stuff like that, uh, south of Scotland needs a senior listed category one referee. So this guy's been so like promoted through the ranks to become a category one referee because. They've only got a small pool so like to choose from, whereas in Glasgow, Lanarkshire, you're predominantly bigger associations. Um, they've got a bigger pool to choose from. So do, do each of the associations have like a quota of referees, or is it is it purely just that's kind of how it works out because they've got a bigger pool, they can they can offer up more of the quality referees, or is there something else that's put in place to decide how where the referees come from? No, no, really. It just it just kind of goes with say like uh, your your postcode, you know. Say like um, I live in Lanarkshire. Um, when when I was going through the class, I had a choice. I could I could have went to I could have travelled into Glasgow, went through the Glasgow class and became a Glasgow member. Uh, there's there's guys that live in Lanarkshire that are members of Glasgow, members of Benfordshire. It's a uh, it's just. Purely, purely up to you. Whatever association you want to become a, to like basically become a member of. Uh, there's 
there's there's no restrictions on say, like what association that you can join. We also mentioned off here about the Daily Mail article, which is um, how your name came more into prominence, um, which was in the middle of the uh, a poor season for referees. Let's face it; I mean, we've certainly slated them um, on more than one occasion, and we don't take anything back. I mean, how did that um, interview come about that you felt as though you had to get something off your chest? <laughs> well, to be honest, um, kind of it's, it's it's not really like um, I set out say, for for interviews or, or anything like that. You know, say like. Um, Referees do not have, say, like, social media, say, like, pre- uh, presence on, say, like, social media because the, the SFA, say, like, frown upon it and you can put something out there and uh, where referees, say, like, uh, being resigning for being a category one referee just a couple of weeks ago because of historical Facebook posts, you know, say, like, seven, eight years ago. Uh, with the SFA were aware of, but gets promoted to category one, and basically he's been he's been bumped for historical, say like Facebook posts. So referees are are very wary of having say like a, a social media presence. I've always had say like a Facebook profile, but it was always say like private and never really say like it's not something that. I never posted about football and stuff like that, but when I had gave up say, like refereeing, when I'd resigned for refereeing, I had I'd signed up to Twitter and uh, I put out a tweet about the, there was an article about foreign referees coming in to uh, Scottish football. Mm. And I had put out a tweet uh, regarding say, like, which my opinion was, was I didn't think that foreign referees referees was uh, the right avenue to be go down, but I did think say, like a foreign head of referees would be the, the correct avenue to go down. Basically, John Fleming's out his depth at the job that he's doing. And that kind of say, like, snowballed from there. I was I was contacted by guys that run the, the E-Terms website, and they, they, they were interested in say, getting an article from myself uh, regarding say, like, refereeing coming through uh, and which stumbling blocks and stuff are, are in place at the SFA. I wasn't too keen on using eTIMS as a platform to get a message out there, but the guys had asked me, and it was a platform, because I, I knew right away, as soon as I was using say, like, an eTIMS website, I would have to, like Rangers fans would jump on it because he's a Celtic fan, and uh, they would... They would they would automatically be against it. Uh, so I had I had done an article for the E-Tims website that got pinged out, and uh, it just happened that Stephen McGowan at the Daily Mail had uh, read the article through the E-Tims and uh, he had got in touch with myself, and he basically says that he's, he's long believed a lot of things that I'd written in my article on the E-Tims website uh, to be true, and would have been interested in sort of like meeting up for a for a chat, and that's just basically how it kind of snowballed from there. A couple of tweets ended up with an article, and then before I knew it, I was in the paper. You know? So it wasn't like I had deliberately set out to, to like put any type of message out there, you know? Yeah, well, you certainly um, did get a message out there. I mean, one of the most prominent things in that article was, um, you know, the fast tracking of certain referees, and we mentioned um, Mr. Um, Mr. Dallas, who um, 
or I better be careful what I'm saying here, but you know, just when you see how I mean, John, one of the guys who is usual but can't make it tonight, he warned us about Andrew Dallas when he was in the junior game. I mean, is is this the type? Of, were you surprised when he he got as far as he has, like when he's refereeing cup finals and making <laughs> mistakes and then getting the next game? <laughs> see, see, be honest. See, see, when he was in the juniors, he wasn't even the best referee in the juniors. So when he when he got to category one, it was it was no real surprise that he was going to get to category one. So like supervisors go out and watch a referee. So Yud Alice is a head of referees. Andrew Dallas is a junior referee. And Yud Alice picks a supervisor to go out and watch his son. Now he watches him and say he has a bad game. There's no way that supervisor is going to be critical in a report and then send it to his dad. You know, because his dad's got to go on the phone giving it, what's this all about? You know, so, like, so it, it was no real surprise that he, he had made it to, say, like, category one referee. The biggest shocker was that he made it to FIFA. Like, that is just <laughs> astonishing. It's astonishing that he ever made it to, to become a FIFA referee, especially in the back of making a lousy the game error at Inverness, you know, say like giving offside while the player strikes the ball, puts it in the net and decides to give the goal when he's actually stopped the game. It's a, it's a clear lousy the game error. It's, it's something within refereeing, like uh, referees can be supported say, on a, a bad decision. So like if they see something and... You know, it's an opinion thing, but like a clear laws of the games error. It's just it's it's totally frowned upon. You you get the lowest mark possible. You know, so like uh, you only really get a mark because you showed up. And he he made a laws of the game error, and it was astounding. And <laughs> you know, so like uh, he went from that game to a Premiership game the, the following week, and just to look at contrast. Uh, a young referee in, in the junior setup made a lousy the game error and he never received an appointment for two months. You know, and that's that's a young guy coming through, learning his trade, and he's made a lousy the game error. And he gets a two months punishment, doesn't receive a game, and you've got a guy at the top level, you know, this is a creme de la creme of refereeing, makes a lousy the game error, and his punishment's a premiership game the week after. It's sickening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, the, I, the, Daily, the, sorry, the Daily Mail article raises words like cronyism and nepotism and bullying. And, um, but the, in, in the case of Andrew Dallas, um, the fact that a certain Hugh Dallas is sitting in command at UEFA kind of points in one simple direction, doesn't it? You don't well, need to answer that, you don't want to. <laughs> 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 you, you know, see, like, what? what 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 happens with say like UEFA and uh, the 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 SFA, you know, say like John Fleming at the SFA, he he was brought in as second command second in command to to U Dallas when he was the head of referees, you know, it was his pal, so he gave his pal a job because his pal was out a job and he gave him a job, and then U Dallas gets through all the scandal and gets punted, and. I remember the time it, it was all going on and there was a real buzz within say, like, Scottish refereeing because uh, there was rumours going about that it was going to be say, like uh, Stuart Reagan was going to bring in Steve Bennett, the former FIFA 
referee in England, and he was going to come up and say, like, uh, transform Scottish refereeing. And we were all deflated, <laughs> you know, say, like, when John Fleming was announced as... Is it is it the top dog at the SFA? He, he didn't have the credentials. He was he was a poor referee, you know, and he uh, just he wasn't an international referee, so he didn't have the credentials to improve Scottish refereeing. So when he got announced, you know, so like we, we were all kind of deflated. Ah, oh, well, well, that, that's what it is. And I think if John Fleming so like, had to look back on his tenure as the head of referees. Could he, could he truly sit there and say that he's improved Scottish refereeing? I doubt it. I think he's, take, he's taken his back away. But given that he's the head of referees, uh, he's, he still has a close relationship, say, like with you, Dallas. And the, the nepotism doesn't just lie within, say, like refereeing. It also lies within, say, like the super, supervisors. You know, say, like UEFA have wee gigs all over, all over Europe. And Willie Young, supervisor at Liverpool Champions League games, and Ian Brains flying down and being supervisor at Chelsea games. You know, all pals are you, Dallas. All pals are say like uh, uh, John Fleming. So the nepotism, just the cronyism, it doesn't just stop with say like Andrew Dallas and he's he's uh, being you, Dallas's son. You know. And you, Dallas, resigning for being a, a FIFA official. Uh, he's obviously had the heads up, so like for his dad, basically saying, Do you know what? Come December, Rosetti's getting rid of you, son. There's nothing I can do for it. And Andrew's like, He's not getting rid of me. And he's decided to jump before he was pushed. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things that um, Scottish fans have is that there doesn't seem to be any account- accountability because, I mean, the Dallas example, I mean, that horrendous set in the, the League Cup final where they gave a penalty for, um, you know, the dominant ball incident, which was outside the box and wasn't even a proper handball. Um, then he invented a penalty that nobody appealed for in the St. Johnson Hearts game four days later and then he got a Premier League game at the weekend. Whereas um, in England... Um, most referees, if they make that kind of mistake twice in a row, they get um, a League 2 game. It's But up here, they get a reward rather than um, a demotion. Nah, yes. Uh, <laughs> just, like, that penalty decision, you know, so you're like outside the penalty area. It's, um, it's, it's just, it's horrendous. It's, and, you know, his it, personality stinks. You know, so like, I, I know the guy, him, John Beaton, Alan Levani, Frankie Connor, their personalities absolutely stink. They treat people as if they're shitting the end of their shoe, you know. And uh, and I've, 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 I've been an assistant to Andrew so like, on games, and he's not got a rapport with players. You know, so like, uh, if he thinks... Especially say like that, uh, that League Cup final. You know it, it, how he even got the game. I had actually predicted months before it that he would get the game, and how he got the game, he got the game, and he shouldn't have been anywhere near the game. You know, and he refereed the game with aggression. It's uh, cup finals take care of themselves. You just have to turn up and manage your players and stuff like that. He made that a very difficult game, and there's. I can't even remember 
a game that I've watched with Andrew Dallas is <laughs> is the referee where you feel he's in total control. You know, he, he loses his cool too much. And in my opinion, the guy's at his depth. Yeah, I mean, I, I um, being a Celtic fan, uh, I generally don't have much of an opinion of you, Dallas. Um, but you could never make that accusation against him. He always seemed like he was fully in control. He always seemed like he had a mm-hmm. decent rapport with the players. Yeah. Um, and the moments when you would question him, um, there's obviously the famous coin incident, and then soon gave a penalty against Celtic for the very next thing that happened. Never did blame him for that one. But I. <laughs> I always thought he handled <laughs> Stefan Mahe in that game really well because he tried to let Stefan Mahe cool down and he didn't. Aye. But that, I mean, it's, it, that's that kind of thing that Andrew doesn't have. He's just he's, he's missing it entirely. Oh, he doesn't he, he does, he have it, you know. And say, so, like, uh, in Lanarkshire, you would have your you would have your monthly meetings, you know. You've you've just watched Andrew Dallas get in a, 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 the the Betfred Cup final and gave penalties that only inside the box and, you know, losing his cool and all that stuff. And then the second Thursday in the month, you turn up at a monthly meeting, he's standing there preaching at you, watching videos, you know, telling you how to referee a game. Nobody's got any respect for him. Yeah, he's so, not. So on you go, Chris. No, I was going. I have to ask the other question because we're talking about nepotism and bullying and SFA. The other thing that always gets accused of referees, particularly in Scotland, is biased. Have you ever seen any bias in refereeing from your perspective towards any one particular team or against any one particular team? For myself. <laughs> no, I'm okay. I'm not, not, not really. You just, <laughs> just. Do you think it exists in refereeing in Scotland? No, only if uh, it depends if the team was on my cooking. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, I've 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 got to be honest here, like um I've I've never witnessed any like uh, referees here, like deliberately good to referees are they show a lot of pride in their performance, you know, so like uh, I I can't speak for every referee but I know with myself if, if I went out and refereed a game and if I had made a really bad decision in the game, I've come off and you know, like, I probably made a decision in the game that I think is 100% correct. I come off the game and I maybe see, you know, like, a video footage, you know, like, say a challenge and I've red carded the player and I look at it and you just cannot believe. It's, it's as if you're looking at something completely different. It's not what you've seen during the game. And I'll tell you, I've I've lost you like a Saturday night and a all day Sunday, sometimes a Monday, up to a Tuesday before you go to see like training, see like crucifying yourself over this decision, you know, see like so referees are the they they have a lot of pride in see like their performance, um, they, they don't deliberately go there so to to make bad decisions, um, some of them are just very poor referees that they shouldn't be in the position. To go out there and make that very poor decision, um, but I've never really. I, a lot of people say, like, say about say like um, referees should declare say like what team they support. You know, say like I was always a Celtic supporter, and I actually feel I actually feel as if I'm a new Celtic supporter. So like, I gave 13 years of my life to Scottish refereeing, 
And I've got to be honest, even you're involved in refereeing, it's uh, you're, you're, you're training five days a week, you're refereeing probably three times a week, you're attending meetings and social functions and you know so like it, it may be a part-time job but it's when you're when you're on the pathway so to try and get to the highest level it, it feels almost so like a, a full-time job and uh, I don't believe that referees so like uh, declaring their, so like their team the support but of any, any any it wouldn't benefit anybody because when I was involved in refereeing I was nearly <laughs> I sit and watch a game for a referee's point of view. I, I never actually sat and watched it as you know, a football fan. Whereas now that I'm not as full on involved in refereeing, I can I can enjoy it for a fan's point of view. But you've still got that referee's mentality in you that you're you're always coming for a referee's point of view. So uh, never really see like I've never witnessed MDU to make a biased decision. Uh, in a game don't get me wrong when you're in a game situation you know and say like number five's giving you grief and you're telling them here pack it in pack it in and he's giving you volleys of abuse you're like well, do you know what I'll sort you it so the next 50-50 challenge that goes in it might be a foul for him he doesn't get it you know and you let him know get off my back and you might have got that you know so like it's a we things like that you probably try and manage a game uh, but don't get me wrong say like Major decisions, referees are judged on say like red cards, goals, uh, penalties. You know, say like that's the things that referees are judged on, and they don't they don't get they don't get there so to to make bad decisions. Although they th- do, it's a thankless task at times. I mean, you do come in for the, the, the obvious accusations of bias, like the Aberdeen fans will accuse you of old firm bias, Celtic fans will accuse your Rangers bias, and vice versa. Uh, there's all sorts of different theories and conspiracy theories and thoughts and feelings and stuff but ultimately refereeing is a thankless task because you get picked up on all your big mistakes you rarely get thanked for getting the decisions right um you get abuse throughout the ranks um so but you did it for 13 years there must be good side to it as well sorry what was that I've said the, the after all the abuse that you can get and all the problems you get you did this you did this over thirteen years. There must be a good side to it as well that people don't really hear about because oh, all years of negative stuff. Def, definitely, say like uh, I, I, I'm a big supporter of referees. You know, say like um, there's a uh, there was many good times say like being involved in refereeing. Say like when I went into refereeing, I was this a uh, small shy say like uh, shy guy say like but refereeing say like it makes you confident it gives you confidence assertiveness it helps with decision making you know say like it it gives you so much back say that <laughs> it's, it's the money can you buy you know say like get into refereeing but aye, there's a, a lot of good times um Sitting here now, uh, I've been I've not been involved in the game so like, for a year. I do miss you know, like a match day, so, like getting up on a Saturday morning, your bags packed and get yourself ready so like, for heading out the door and stuff like that. Do I miss uh, the backstabbing, the the snidiness? Yeah, you know, like um, I don't think there was a a Sunday or a Monday where a referee wouldn't be sending me a video clip, uh, a match at the weekend, and going poof. Look at that decision. Look at that decision. You might think, say, like, uh, fans are very critical of referees. Referees 
are a hundred times worse against referees. And sometimes when you're involved in it, you don't even realise that you're involved in it. There's a lot of backstabbing goes on in refereeing. Yeah, I think that unfortunately it's the sort of thing that goes on in most what's life. But that was a great insight to refereeing. But I'll give you a little break from talking about refereeing for a couple of minutes and we'll move on to something that I'm sure you do enjoy, talking about football. So on Thursday, um, we had two of our clubs um, in the Europa League looking to um, get through. So Rangers made progress, no pun intended, um, by hey. getting through, um, getting revenge over Nidacorn. Um Well, not really. It was not easy draw. They've twice been over there and they haven't been able to win yet. Um, I'm looking at it from a, a coefficient <laughs> it's perspective. A, it's, an improv- yeah, it's an improvement from the last result over there. Aye, it wasn't was a defeat. So, aye, they went through um, the now face Midgieland. Not entirely sure how you do pronounce that. I'm going with Midgieland. <laughs> um, uh, and the draw was made earlier today for what happens if they get past Midgieland. Um, and they might meet Legia Warsaw. There's a name from the past recently. <laughs> yeah. That's probably about as good a draw as they could have got, to be fair, um, because I think one of the standouts they could have had was Wolves. Um, I think PSV Eindhoven. Yeah, they were like um, they could have had PSV Eindhoven as well because Aberdeen could have got final. So I think from that perspective, it's not bad, but they've still got a big task ahead um, getting past the midges. I mean, Midgieland. Um, and also that night, um, Aberdeen um, had one win from the first leg. People thought it was going to be a tighter second leg as um, um, Shakura, um, I couldn't remember the name for a minute there, um, were a better team than Rops, but you wouldn't have thought it last Thursday. Um, Aberdeen putting a sparkle on display, um, winning by five goals to nil. Um, hat trick for um, Sam Cosgrove, Ballon d'Or, getting that in right away. Um, he could have had the perfect hat trick had he t- his last goal was left foot, but. He decided to go with the outside right foot, made it look um, better. Uh, Greg Lee in his debut um, got a headed goal, and the best goal of the night, number four from Scott Wright after good pressing, winning the ball, and then lovely little passing move and uh, nice finish. So, wonderful result for Aberdeen, and um, now we've got a chance to beat Rayek again, although it will be a bit difficult. Yeah, I mean, I don't really see he's getting the, the terrific away result he got over there last time when he's won 3 0. Um, but I mean uh, Sam Cosgrove's in a bit of good form we'll come on to talking about him later on um, but that's, he's there's that six goals in Europe already he's got this season yeah six goals he's the Europa League's top goal scorer and he equals a record by Drew Jarvey of scoring in four consecutive European games nice one yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, um, we obviously talked about Celtic last week because we did the, the podcast on Tuesday. They will face Cluj, um, and if they get past Cluj, interestingly, they would face Slavia Prague in the um, playoff round. And I say interestingly because Slavia Prague have a stand named after them, uh, one of their former managers, a guy called John Madden, who was in Celtic's very first team in 1888. There's oh, a nice okay. little link between the two. Uh, so that's assuming we get past Cluj. If we don't get past Cluj, then uh, it's not so great either. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to remember who it was we got in the draw. I wasn't too. It's not the. It's not the worst draw. It's not the best draw either. Um, AIK Stockholm or Sheriff Tiraspol we could get in the Europa League. Should we drop into that? Don't get past Cluj. Um, the good news is if we get past Cluj, we're definitely in a group stage of some sort. Because we'll either 
beats Harvey Prague and get into the Champions League or we would drop into the European group stages. Yeah. And Aberdeen, if they get through, will get um, Ghent to make a listing now place for or Lanarkia, which again, compared to what we could have got, um, as I say, most notable Feyenoord, um, it's actually not a bad proposition, but we've got, we need to get past our ties first. But yeah, good luck to all three teams over the next couple of weeks. I don't know your thoughts about that, or, or Derek. Um, Chris and I certainly want to see all the teams well, get through. But I, I think I think we need all, all the Scottish teams to do well in Europe. You know, so like the coefficient, so, so like uh, Scottish teams aren't going to get through all these qualifying rounds to get to group stages. It's it's just ridiculous. You know, so like the the Champions League. Is it the Champions League? It's it's champ. If champions the your league, you should be getting into the Champions League. You shouldn't be having to have eight matches to get to a group stage. You know, it's uh, it's just ridiculous. So hopefully, all the Scottish teams progress and we can help out the the coefficiency. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So back to um, domestic action. So um, we'll start with Friday. Um, a cracking game on. BBC Scotland between Dunfermline and Dundee. Um, Dunfermline will be fit, feel very hard done by. They were two up. And then two controversial pen, um, penalty decisions. Um, so, referee, Mr Crothers, um, give us your thoughts. Were they harsh? Were they harsh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the first penalty, the, the handball, unfortunately, that, that's the new directive and that's what IFAB brought in. So, we're going to see a lot more penalties uh, like given. <laughs> that, that type of handball, you know. I'll comment that well. Yeah, last last season, you know, the you, you wouldn't even be thinking that's a, that's a penalty. Uh, but it's I, I don't see it's up for debate. I think it's 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 a penalty now. So like, uh, <laughs> as poor as it looks, it's still a penalty if you go with the laws of the game. Uh, the, the second penalty is an absolute howler for Greg Aitken. How 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 he's came to the conclusion that that's a penalty kick, um, and what makes it worse is that he's actually got a clear unobstructed view. You know, so he's less than ten yards away. Uh, at no point has the defender made any contact with the attacker. He's cleanly won the ball and to give a penalty there. Yeah, I heard the commentary saying yeah, it must be for a reckless challenge. Well, if it's a reckless challenge, it was a yellow card. There was no yellow card, so he's just seen it as a careless challenge, you know. So like, uh, it's a very, very poor decision. So, um, and unfortunately, it's Dunfermline against Dundee, so it's not built up the same way if it was a if that was a, a decision that was costing say, like a Rangers or a Celtic a result. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the first the first penalty for me. Um, you know, I get it's a new law, but then why were Ross County not given a penalty in the game against Hamilton? Because yeah. uh, you know that that was a more blatant handball. Um, I, and if he's not seen it, I counted three separate penalties in that game. And Bobby Madden, the man who he came out during the week and said, "Oh, there's going to be more penalties because of this," gave none of them. <laughs> Every one of them is like the arms are way out, and like, is that not the new law? It's like if the arm is like, like making your body he, bigger than it should be. Even if yeah. it's accidental, it's a penalty, yeah. but the, the referee's got to see it. And he's at least one of them. Who's seen it? He, he didn't see it, but if if you see, you never seen it. You never seen it. But if your arm's away from the body and it accidentally hits your arm, uh, 
you're, you're running the risk of your penalty being given. <laughs> I think it's a farce rule. The, the handball rule is an absolute farce. It, it did need to like tidied up a wee bit, but uh, they've, it's like they've went full spectrum. So it's, it's radical, you know. So like, uh, uh, aye, Scottish football, there would be more penalties uh, like, uh, involved for day handball incidents, but we don't have VAR, you know. So you're relying on say, like, uh, first viewing uh, the referee seeing, say, like, seeing the ball straight now. Yeah. As it was, Ross County didn't need the penalties because they just they rattled Hamilton uh, in this game. They were easily the best team. Uh, goals for Joe Chalmers and Bob McKay and Ross Stewart. Um, my favourite one was the Ross Stewart one because Darry McKinnon was back to his usual ways just before it. <laughs> <laughs> he just wiped out Michael Gardine for a free kick, which is inside yeah. in the box and Stewart getting the end of it. Um, but yeah, I would like Hamilton. I, th- I thought Cunningham and Olsen looked pretty good. Um, just from what I've seen in the highlights but yeah. didn't really work for them this week might work for them in weeks to come um, still fairly first, first day back really um, in the league season so uh, wouldn't have been the start that Hamilton wanted but yeah. Ross County have, have flown back into the league obviously it was flag day in Dingwall as well unveiling um, you know, the championship flag before the game yeah so, efforts last season. I think 10 of the 11 players well, the, uh, had, had finished the season in the championship it's just the goalkeeper that changed so yeah, it's a um, bit of consistency good to see yeah it's good continuity um, you know there's not many people that are tipping them to go down um, I think some people are aiming towards Hamilton others are maybe thinking they'll do something to stay up um, like they always tend to do but I think Ross County will definitely be fine um, one team that a lot of people are predicting to go down and myself included um, is Livingston but they were a little unlucky not to win their game. There wasn't much in it. Um, Alan Preston certainly had um, a few scathing things, although it was mainly about the pitch. But um, Livingston had probably the better of the chances, and um, they were unlucky with the head kick. But Motherwell should have been down to 10 men the very last um, few minutes. Yeah, it was a bit of a challenge up with Garrow and Devlin coming together. Yeah. Um, but you're right, Livingston had the better chances. This It was Gillespie that kept him out. Well, most of had some fantastic goalkeeping, apart from that, I'm going to go and chase after Pittman afterwards. <laughs> Never get caught out. Uh, Gallagher was on the line to get in a deal, so, um, yeah, no, no. I mean, the, the highlights this look pretty good, but everybody's been saying it was a terrible game. Yeah. So, um, the highlights must have been all that happened. Um, I know uh, Greg, used to be on this podcast, was not impressed how you're going to have a good <laughs> game of football on that pitch. Which was kind of the, the thing he'd retweeted to it, somebody saying that on Twitter so yeah um, I'm not don't know what to think of this hashtag spaghetti ad <laughs> uh, for the Tony Macaroni arena um, they, they seem to have gone all in with that one it's, it's quite a funny joke when I heard that about this time last season it's kind of I'm sure it was I heard it on another podcast actually yeah. I don't know who, who can claim that they first quoted that one but um, it certainly caught on yeah Aye. And Hibs um, got off to a good start. They, they had a bit of a slog in this game, St Martin. Um Another team who are predicted to be down in the bottom end um, had a game plan to frustrate and it was working for a while. And then Scott Allen um, popped up. But um, the boy Dodge up front had two containers for a miss of the week. <laughs> uh, you know, there was one earlier in the game 
um, where Dunmus got had, had a chance to just file over the bar um, for St Martin. But I thought that was pretty bad. And then I seen the two that Deutsch had, and they were awful. Um, there's another miss um, in the Kilmarnock Rangers game, which we'll come on to as well. Um, but these far outweighed it. These were, I, I don't even know how he's managed to. It wasn't even just missed narrowly for the second one. He just didn't really do anything at all. It was falling over the first one was hilarious, but the second one he just put miles wide. Um, so man had a chance to equalise this game. Uh, right to the end, Obeka had a, a chance. He, he kind of he got in the end off and put over the bar. And then there was a strange decision for the the offside as well, because. Uh, Scott Allen, yeah. hit, Scott Allen hit the post, <laughs> the, the top of the post with his effort and he came back out. And then later on, was it Newell hit the post with a header? And then Camberry knocked it in. But Camberry had been two yards behind him and was flagged offside. It's, it's, so poor, it's such a poor offside decision so for an assistant to give. At no point is any player in an offside position. Uh, and Hibs, they were hard done a couple of weeks ago in the, the Betfred Cup where Douglas Ross surely gave an absolute basically identical decision yeah. to, to, to Saturday's decision uh, it's, it's just it's, it's so poor for an assistant referee to get to get the offside wrong you know so like uh, offside is a very very hard hard decision to make sure for an assistant referee to be looking in two, two areas at once but these decisions are very, very poor, you know, and it's as if Dougie Ross has made you know, like that holocaust of a decision, and it's as if that's so bad, and then you've got Craig Ferguson going like that, well, hold my beer, you know, so, and basically steps up and does it identical, you know, it's uh, so, so, so poor, and Hibs lucky to go out there with a, you know, like a victory, or uh, I'm sure there would have been a lot more made of it. Yeah, the um, the score lines always tend to to cloud these things, and I think the um, the Motherwell player, um, if he get booked, then the the likelihood is that won't be um, put forward to compliance officer. Um, but if he didn't get any booking, then that could well go through to the compliance officer. Um, what's your understanding of what the compliance uh, of um, a decision has to go that far? We yeah. said to the compliance officer. Uh-huh. Uh huh. What type of decision are you talking about? As in, say, like for a, an appeal or just well, uh, something that the referee's not that, seen? Yeah, we had, not, yeah. yeah, we had a bit of confusion over this one because sometimes we were getting things. If the referee hadn't dealt with it, then it could go to the compliance officer. Mm-hmm. But if the referee has dealt with it, then they can't. But sometimes we were seeing things that were getting bookings that were being upgraded to red cards by the compliance officer. And we just, uh, at that point, we lost track of what was happening. I mean, there was other things. like they, they, they would, they, It seemed like the referee hadn't dealt with it, but actually, later on, it would emerge that he had. But whether the compliance officer was asking the referee or not, and then that's what we thought. Well, it turns out the referee's not been asked at all. Um, so... Where did the, this idea that the referee so, came from? It's, there's, a, there's a number of confusing things that nobody seems oh, to quite understand. There's, there's, there's loads of confusions there when it comes to the judicial panel. Uh, but what happens with the judicial panel is, um, uh, so I think it's Claire White that's uh, yeah. She's the yeah. compliance officer now. So she'll look around the Monday morning and she may have... Anybody can report an incident to the compliance officer. You know, so like a... Uh, 
you could see an incident at the weekend ago like that. I think that was a red card and you can put your case across to the compliance officer and she's straight around to like to, to investigate it. You know, she like uh, Claire White, she she's a prosecutor, you know, she she gathers the evidence, you know. So uh, and the incidents that you're talking about, so like uh, it looks as if a referee's here, like seen an incident, he's given a yellow card and then it's been upgraded to a red card. So uh, on review, the compliance officer is probably saying that that looks as if it's a red card, or somebody's brought it to her attention that that should have been a red card. And the first thing she'll do is she'll write to the officials, she'll email the officials and ask them, so, did you see this incident? What do you make of it? And she'll send to like video clips if there's video evidence to be viewed. Uh, and the referee will go back and say, that's not what I seen during the match, just as, just as I was speaking about, so like, uh, you've made a decision in the match, then you look at video evidence later and you go, that's not what I seen at the time, you know, it's, it's as if your eyes play tricks, tricks on you, so the referee will go back and he'll say, that's not what I've seen, I've given a yellow card, say, for the first part of the incident, I've not seen the incident in its entirety, and uh, basically the compliance officer will probably serve, say, like a I know it's a complaint to the club and the player, and if the club uh, accept the notice a complaint, uh, a fixed fixed penalty is basically issued. But if the club decide to appeal it, uh, it then refers to say like the judicial panel. But what they brought in say like last year was the the three ex referees that would review an incident and. If it was unanimous, if the three ex-referees say like uh, agreed that it should have been a red card, then that's when say like, I notice a complaint would be say like, issued. The, the three ex-referees are basically referee committee members. You know, say like uh, you have Brian Winter, Willie Young, Ian Brines, Callum Murray. You know, say like, ex category one referees that make decisions on Scottish referee. Uh, they're the committee for John Fleming. So they'll review the incident and they get back to say, like, Claire White. And if the three of them unanimously say the referee's made a clear error there, that should be a red card, then she'll send it to the referee. He'll come back and give his view on it. And then that's how you end up basically, like, uh, very, very confusing. It's not it's no straightforward. It should be. And to be honest, yeah, like three, three referees yeah, like, uh, have to come to a unanimous decision. Uh, the Scottish FA yeah, like, run their, yeah, like, their training days and you would get away through it and you would sit and you watch video clips. You would have 50 referees in a room and you'd sit and watch a clip and you would have 30 hands get up for a red card and you'd have 20 hands get up for a yellow card. You know, So very hard to get three referees to agree on an incident. Everybody's get different opinion that comes opinion based decisions do you think there's any cronyism or nepotism in, in the, the judicial panel what the 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 three referees think that's my pal i'm not going to pull him up for that one well fuck i don't know it's it's it's, it's hard to say see like um see you see see the video clips get sent to brian winter and Willie Young and let's just say Ian Brines and the three of them of the ACL view the incidents. Now, technically they're not meant to discuss it. Now, I had a judicial panel, say, like, uh, I was on a, a Hibs game where referees, say, like, sent the player off and the compliance officer sent us, but the, 
referee had made a mistake. He shouldn't have sent the boy off. It was a yellow card. So sent us out that basically, and it says not to collude or anything. I had barely opened that email, and I had a re- I had an email for the referee saying that he would deal with it. <laughs> you know, so he's basically saying. I've messed up here, you know. So there's nothing to say that the three judicial panel uh, members maybe don't discuss it. Uh, but for instance, with Brian Winter, is he inclined to say, like, maybe go against one of his members, John Beaton, Andrew Dallas? Say Ian Brines is uh, Andrew Dallas's coach. So uh, it's a hard one to say. It's a hard one to see. See, I, I would like to see that um, brought in a bit more. That the, the the referee who has made the decision in the first place gets first refusal to change it. If they've, because like you say, if they've seen something at the time, they can go back and view it later on and go, actually, I gave a red card for that. It was only a yellow, and they put yeah. it in instead of having to go through this whole thing. Then, if that's the case, it shouldn't have to go through a compliance officer and a three panel. Uh, a three-man panel as well. If the referee that made the decision, the the, the rule is basically the referee's decision is final. Well, if the referee changes his decision, surely that should be allowed. That's the kind of thing I would like to see. But then to do that, I would also like to see the referees be able to explain their decisions. There's too yeah. much kept behind closed doors. We don't get to, what the only time you ever hear a referee's voice is when he's explaining why he's had to abandon a game. It's, a, it's like the only time it ever happens. Every other time, it's like, no, I can't explain these decisions. They're encouraged not to explain these decisions. Whereas actually, I think, like, this is what I saw. And if you want, it would just be a bit more of a, a helping hand to get the kind of relationship build up between the referees and the people that have an interest in the game, like the, the, the clubs and the, the fans. I don't know what your thoughts I are. Think so. I think, say, like, uh, over the last couple of weeks, you've had, say, like, uh, interviews uh, from Bobby Madden and uh, Don Robertson coming out and, say, like, clarifying, say, like, uh, rule changes and stuff like that. And it's been well-received, say, like, with fans yeah. up in the country. And it's well-received, say, because you don't you don't hear from these referees. Unless you're involved in refereeing, say, like, uh, the Bobby Madden interview with uh, Clyde One, you know, say, like, fans were, were loading that up. Me sitting there as a referee, I've heard it all, you know, so I could write the book. But fans sitting there, they're, they're interested, they want to hear about referees, they want, they want to know about referees. You know, the, the SFA used to run a, a blog on their, their their website, it was a whistleblower page, mm-hmm. and that's where a referee could come out, say, like on a Monday or a Tuesday and explain a decision that they've gave, either supporting that decision or how, how they made a, an error for that decision but John Fleming was quick to say like pull that because uh, you heard the media that were say like sitting just ready to pounce on say like and it was a positive thing and the media made it as a negative so it makes it it's it's very hard to like to put a mic in front of you say like a referee's face and say like uh, get him to explain decisions Technically, John Fleming should be coming out and doing that for the guys. Uh, what's he getting paid for? You know, he's the right. guy that's meant to be supporting referees. I liked the whistleblower blog. I thought it was a great idea. And you're right, the the media were were, were pouncing on it more than uh, using yep. it as a facility to say this is what actually happened. Yeah. And I think that the media. I mean, I've accused the media in here many times of being the 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 doomsayers of Scottish football. It's every time we try to build it up, or every time somebody tries to do something good, they find a way to kick it down. Yeah. Why? Uh, I mean, even the build-up to this weekend, we had 
Chris McLaughlin saying, "Oh, and the build, the build up to this weekend, how are all the fans going to behave themselves, and what are the 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 clubs doing to make sure we don't have a disaster like we did last season?" Um, unfortunately, then we had Sunday's game at Rugby Park. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, we had uh, well, come on, look at the bounce back after their exit to Connors <laughs> Key, um, and but for the first 45 minutes, they seemed to be just defending most of the time. Um, I think they weren't too great. They weren't great at defending. Arfield getting the, the opening goal for uh, the rebound from the, the save. I don't think the keeper was to blame. I don't know why uh, that was put about. I thought the defence was a bit slow to react to it, but um, for me, the keeper did what he had to do in that, that situation. He went, the, header shouldn't, the header should never have come towards him in the first place. He then palmed it away and as much as he could do with it. And Arfield was standing there pretty much on marks so and knocked it into the net. Having said that, um, Kamarnock came into the game of a better second half. They had the, the trophy that I was referring to earlier. Um, I'm not sure how he managed to put that one past. Um, we probably should have equalised them. But then, Kamarnock did equalise. Uh, O'Donnell getting on the end of one. And this time it was Rangers that didn't defend very well. It was another set piece. Uh, just came into the box. O'Donnell for himself and miles of space and fired that into the net. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got to the 86 man out of the game. So this game finished one each as far as Stephen Gerrard is concerned there. Eh? <laughs> that, um, uh, incidentally, somebody went over and calculated that. If, if uh, what happens if the the game's finished at 86 minutes, and Celtic still won the league with two points, he was wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, um, it's things but, like that you like social media for. Yes, aye, that is for social media. You know, somebody's got to have gone away and done it. Um, I think Stephen Gerrard, to be perfectly honest with this one, and he has said a lot of ridiculous things these times, Rangers manager, but I think with this one, what we try to do is rally into his players, say, keep going. And that's what they did. Yeah, I think, I mean, it must stick in his craw right at the start of last season. You had the late Aberdeen equaliser and the late Motherwell equaliser in the first few games. I think it was, was that his first two away games or something like that? Yeah, his first two away games, yeah. So, I mean, it looked again like it was going to happen in this game. Um, and, and apparently this has ended up being the first time that Rangers have won at Rugby Park since they came back up um, but another set piece Goldson fired in the header um, in, the, in the 91st minute and Rangers won the game 2-1 uh, cue the pitch invasion for the overexcited Rangers fans um, including jumping on the disabled section shelter um, which then crumbled because it's not actually designed to take the weight of some massive Rangers fan jumping on it um, Rangers have of course blamed Kilmarnock for it rather than taking the blame for the guy who was jumping on the, the, the roof um, they were also complaining about um, issues outside with the, some sort of ticket fiasco now I've heard mixed reports on this one as to whether Kilmarnock's system wasn't working properly or Rangers fans were trying to get in with dodgy tickets um, it might have been both I don't know it's all a big game of deflection um, and you know for for Rangers fans um, and Rangers basically to blame Kilmarnock for the roof of the disabled section collapsing it's just absolutely nonsensical um, you know just take a bit of responsibility say we, you know that if the fans who jumped on that yeah that's a quicker way of getting there thanks Derek um, but you know this whole deflection thing, and it's it's all it, it all comes from Jim Trainer. Jim Trainer media, he's got a big um, say in what and what comes out of Rangers. He's got a big say. Before Jim Trainer, the was fine. He's got a big he's got a big say on the media. Yes. You know, yeah. so like uh, there's things go in the media, and he's still got a, a very big influence. Uh, like uh, on articles that are out there. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And if he's not happy about it, journalists feel a brilliant. Yeah. yeah I mean, you're going to have to look back to last season when uh, Celtic went in Rugby Park and the last minute winner through Scott Brown. The, the worst that happened there was he stood on the advertising board, the fans kind of spilled on slightly and pulled him towards him, got Scott Brown sent off the process because of that. There was no jumping on roofs of things and stuff. And it was just as it was just as much bedlam in the stand that day as it was on, uh, on Sunday, though. Yeah, and that brought out the uh, what about it? But Celtic got condemned that day, so sorry, Celtic fans got condemned yeah. that day. So you know, I don't know where the complaint is there. Um, it just seems to be the this whole siege mentality. Um, keep that siege mentality for the dressing room, like Alex Ferguson did in the 1980s with the Aberdeen side, where um, he pointed out the referees are going to be more likely to be against you than Celtic and Rangers, and use that to his advantage. Um, so I, I just think Rangers need to go back to keeping things in house, um, like they did during their nine in a row days, um, and John Gregg was a PR man, and the, oh, the PR was actually pretty good. Um, that hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Trainer reminds me of that guy in the message board who you can you can just poke him and he'll always have some reply. <laughs> it used to, I mean, I, I know that, but that used to be me. So, like in my younger days, I was always easy to up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what you're saying is, um, I used to be the gym trainer. Aye. Yeah. I, you could just you could say skinnier. something to me and I couldn't resist having to have a dig. Well, this is what the Rangers statements are like. They just have to get their dig in, and it's not just them. They've got the club. 1872. I had to think of the number there because I was thinking a different number. They <laughs> uh, um, they have a statement out as well, moaning about being trapped outside. The st- How do you get trapped outside the stadium? <laughs> Just go away. I know it's Cavalier. Cavalier's not that bad. There's plenty yes. of space. <laughs> plenty of space. It was just because they were all charging up to the, the gate that was locked. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it's just- I mean, I've, I've been to Rugby Park many times. It's not the most crowded areas. No, it's not. It's actually quite well situated. There's a lot of space. So I don't know why they're talking about being trapped. Um, yeah. There were there was some chat about like, some gate. I had to get opened at some point as well. Um, I think they broke it down. I think they, I think they charged it down. Uh, ended up breaking through and that's how they ended up getting into the the, the stadium, you know. Uh, I mean, credit to the police for getting that back under control so quickly. Um, <laughs> Just a shambles, absolute yeah. shambles. Uh, they tried some efforts here, like uh, a positive weekend after uh, Scottish football. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a positive weekend for Rangers. They got the, the last minute winner, so mm-hmm. three yeah. points on the board. A very difficult venue. It's, it's, as I said, it's the first one there since. Um, Coming back up into the, the top flight. Yeah, I think I think the only time they won there was um was was the league cup last season. Um, but they've not won the league since they came back up. Um, they also won the Scottish Cup replay when they were still a championship club. Um, was that Rugby Park as well? That's yeah. a league. Or, or in fact, um, no, it wasn't the season they came back up for championships the following season. Um, I can't, or, I can't remember, but they certainly won the league cup last season when Ellis got a hat trick. But in the league, they haven't. Well, that's the first one since they've come back into the, the top five. It's a, a good result, and it shows that Rangers are maybe going to be made of a bit stronger stuff this season. But then I think Celtic had already put out the statement the day before that it's going to take something special to take them off the top spot for the first time since 2011. Yeah. Um, again, flag day, Celtic Park. Uh, flag unfurled by the widows of Bell McNeil and Stevie Chalmers. Um, and then um, we just... 
went riot. <laughs> um, Glover will go for Michael Johnston, drinking the opener. Then we get three for Ryan Christie. All, of it, all from outside the box. I don't know last time the hat trick was all scored outside the box, but um, fair point to Christie for that. Two of them are crackers. The other one is a total howler from the goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, he then get taken off and Oliver and Jam came on and his first touch was a goal. <laughs> um, we then put Griffiths on and he set up Edward for the sixth goal and scored the seventh. Uh, it was just everything that happened went right for Celtic in this game and everything that happened went absolutely wrong for St. Johnson. Now, as good as Celtic were in this game, St. Johnson's defending left a lot to be desired, I thought. They left so many spaces for Celtic and they just, Celtic exploited it. St. Um, Johnson haven't properly recovered from the three games at the start of the year um, in the the Scottish Cup and the, the two league games where Celtic beat them every time. Because yeah. the, the league season was actually doing okay. They were possible for top six and then the season just nosedived into obscurity. They've had a they had a terrible League Cup session, which we talked about last week, and the start of this campaign, the League campaign, um, yeah, anything would have been a bonus at Parkhead, but to go down 7-0, not even put that much yeah. effort is shocking. And and this is what I said last week, that they weren't going to be judged on this game. Well, you know what? I was wrong, because they're going to be judged by the fact they got thumped. Nobody should be getting thumped 7-0. Now, it's, it's embarrassing. I mean, when, when Celtic have played in Europe and lost 7 0 to Barcelona, you don't just go, ah, it's Barcelona. You go, that's really sore. I know it's yeah. Barcelona, but in this case, St. Johnson must be saying the same. I know it's Celtic, they're the champions and that, but 7 0, that's horrendous. I mean, St. Johnson were um, on the end of Brendan Rodgers' best ever result, and it was a 6 0. This is Celtic's first time they've scored seven goals since Ronnie Dyla's last game. That's right. Which was also 7 0 against Motherwell. Um, but yeah, the, the biggest win for Brendan Rodgers was the 6-0 at St. Johnson. Um, so they've had a few thumpings off Celtic. But that's, that, I mean, that's fallen on so closely for the, the very poor League Cup section. St. Johnson need to bounce back very quickly now. Or does, the knives are going to be out for Tommy, right? Within weeks. You wonder if he stayed on a bit too long. I mean, he signed a new deal last season when they were in the middle of a good run. Um, but you just wonder, I mean, that's this is what his seventh season. He's been a brilliant manager for St John's. He'll go down um, as St John's best ever manager because he won the Scottish Cup and delivered European football for three consecutive seasons. Or was it four? No, because one of those seasons was um, he was assistant to Steve Loma, so you could credit him for four in a row. So for him to do that for St John's is incredible. But we're now at this stage where if he doesn't get the team motivated, there's going to be a relegation battle, and are things yeah. going a bit stale? They certainly need new bloods in there, they also missed out Stephen May, although there's rumours they're back in for him, but they need to get a striker up there, um, but they also need a, a partner for care, because they were also missing Jonas, who went to South End, um, so the big problems ahead of them. I mean, they're at home, it's at Livingston next weekend, so um, that's when they need to start things going. That they have to pick up three points in that game, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the final game of the Premiership, um, best to last, <laughs> obviously I'll say that, but yeah, Aberdeen Hearts, you don't always say Aberdeen Hearts games are classic games, they're usually turgid 1-0s to someone or 0-0 with boring football, but no, I think we played very well first half, um, nice little goal by Cosgrove, a bit of um the flight of the ball um, when it's played up. Um could have got went up
John, you dropped off. You're still there, Derek. Aye. <laughs> John has dropped he was, off. He was in mid-flight there, Dave. I know, we'll just get to his team as well. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's sat for an hour like that. Can't wait to talk about Aberdeen. <laughs> I guess I better finish it then. So, um, yeah, there we go, he's back. Yeah. What happened, John? He disappeared. Uh, we're finished talking about Aberdeen. We've been waiting an hour to talk about Aberdeen, you disappeared. So, better go back oh, and start great. again. <laughs> yeah. Right. Aye, so, yeah. Um, I basically got to the point where uh, we went in front, Hearts, Hearts then brought in Naismith, they looked decent for a bit, went to one up and then and we bring McGinn and Hedges, give us a bit of life back and Arn Hickey picks up a second book and there's no question it's two big and Craig Levine yeah, the, no complaints. The, the first um, one is yeah, taking one for the team. Yeah. Yeah. Second one's just naive, I think. Yeah, of one course. Just, it's a but the bigger, but the bigger problem was the Dickamona challenge on uh, on McGinn. That was just stupidity from my heart's point of view. And I know Levine wasn't happy afterwards and came out and berated them. Um, Sankov's Grove, another terrific penalty, making it eight goals for the season already. Um, and I think that's twenty-seven and thirty-three games. Um, so and then much. in the last, and then in the last few minutes, four minutes to go. Right, um, Hedges puts in an absolute cracker to win the game. Love a flip by McGinn in his path, and I think it was just about deserved. But it was a it was a good game, and as I said before, not often you associate Aberdeen Hearts being a classic match. Yeah, I mean you said saving the best to last. I think in, in terms of the, the the six games for the Premiership this weekend, this was the best contest. Um, I mean, there's no doubt Celtic were fantastic against Johnson. There's no doubt that the Rangers got a terrific late winner. But in terms of entertainment for like this game swinging either way, Aberdeen Hearts it was for me. Cracking game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it sure was. And delighted to get off to a winning start and maintain our positive start of the season. Um and a championship. Um the only highlights I saw from the championship other than Friday's game was uh, the the United and Morton game. Um cracking third goal in the, the air game. Um, Morton did well to get back in it but then air stole it, so that looked like the best game of the weekend, and the other big highlight was Lauren Shankland four and Vanessa Calathis a win. <laughs> I realised they got all four goals. I read that yesterday, but uh, it's uh, a good start for Dun United against tough opposition. Because I mean, I don't think, um, was it me that to win this title? Yeah, great start. I think I was that part of this sort of day well, and uh, they were one nil didn't it? Like, at one point. Uh, Came back to finish one each, but. Um, yeah. uh, and then our bros coming up from the League One got enough neat to draw home at Gune South so uh, no not a bad start for them they'd have been flying the flag yeah. themselves for the, uh, the League One flag it's good to see this championship's got a TV deal so there's got to be a lot of interesting games in that championship this season yeah the, the Dundee Derby's will be a definite standout um, mm-hmm. but there's, I mean, there's certainly there's some good teams yeah. in that, that league so hopefully we'll see it's, quite it's, a few it's, it's, always a t- it's always a tough league it's always a tough league to get out of. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's Rangers found that, Hibs found that, uh, Dunn United are still finding it. Um, it was only really Hearts that have bounced straight back up again. I, mean, well, yeah. I think Ross County did it as well there. Um, yeah. But that was tough for them as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. Um, my only criticism of the Championship coverage is that 
I mean, you get the Friday night game, that's great, but you don't get any other highlights in sports scene. Um, yeah. I'll be yeah, Apart from the last game of last season, yeah, apart from the last game of last season, they right. showed a little bit, but... Um, if, the, the odd thing was they didn't even show the Dundee and Fairman game of sports scene. The game they showed live, I thought they might have given like, the goals or that or something like that, just as a recap. But no, there was nothing in that one either. Especially when it was a decent yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> you thought they would have talked about the penalties. Yeah, exactly. But um but yeah, that is what it is. In League One, um four four were the bigger winners, they won two 0 Airdrie. Um I saw the goals from the Clyde East Fife game. Um uh, decent point for East Fife because they were the away side Clyde back up in that division after a few years in um the fourth tier. Um Peter um Falkirk's welcome back to League One was an away draw at Peterhead. Uh, Ray Rovers beat them Martin one 0 and actually saw the goals in this general Montrose game. Um, that's a game between two sides most people think will go down. It was quite scrappy um, looking at it, to be perfectly honest, but it looks quite entertaining as well. Yeah. Um, my attention was League 2, though. Um, as much as Celtic had a thumping win, the top flight in the fourth tier, it was Cove Rangers that had the thumping win. What a start for them. That is, yeah. 5-0 against Edinburgh City. Edinburgh City's defending was horrendous and where do we even start with um, the goalkeeper? Uh, did they sing, did they bring back Harold uh, Schumacher? Ah <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't think there was much doubt of that one of me red card. <laughs> Wiped him out. Although, Harold Schumacher got away with it, remember? Yeah. <laughs> that was a goal kick. <laughs> yeah, what was your view, isn't it, Derek? What incident was that? The, the goalkeeper? Yeah. Yeah, I just find it hilarious that the goalkeeper was uh, possessing his innocence that it wasn't a denying an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think no, it's just GPH. <laughs> I don't think the report was going in for denying an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. You know, he was signalling <laughs> the ball's going away for away for goal. Uh, no, I said the easiest red card to referee will probably give all season. So it's only done half there. Yeah, definitely. And um, Elgin beat Kenby 3 0, and in one away at Brecon, um, they're just heading down the divisions, lots of things. Uh, Queen's Park won at Stan Albion, and Albion Rovers, managed by last week's um, guest Kevin Harper, won 3 to Stennis Beer, who've obviously just come down, so good start yep. for Rovers. Good away win, yep. And thanks, and thanks to um, you know some Albion Rovers um, players and fans and even the club themselves were retweeting last week's podcast so I got a bit of interest so thank you uh, just a shout out to the, the biggest one of the weekend um, East Stirlingshire 9 Gretna 1 <laughs> in the Lowland League um, Better Rangers the starting life in the Lowland League they lost 2-1 to the University of Stirling Fort William couldn't make it 2 wins in the bounce they lost 4-1 to Inverurie Local Works in the Higher League uh, so yeah, it's, you're you're just showing off by covering the the lower leagues. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the same BBC website page. Oh, is it? <laughs> right. So go go the week, lads. The, um, and thanks to everyone who's been interacting on Twitter. There's been a few suggestions. There's been Ryan Christie's goal. Um, Ryan Hedges' goal got a mention. Uh, the third one. The third one. Wasn't it? The one that went in off the bar. All right. Okay. Um, uh, my my pick it out award. Is I, I would say Hedges. I think it's a cracking goal. Uh, the the run for um, Lee in the wing, uh, he showed his pace, and then the lovely little flick from again, and 
the, the finish by Hedges is terrific. So that to me was that's the best goal I've seen this weekend. Well, John um, put Reese Devlin um, from I'm just trying to remember what team he played for. <laughs> Arvin Meadow, um, 30 yard screamer against Lars Sissel. And if you just look at it on Twitter, it's an absolute peach. Um, Aaron Conley, another guest that we had on a few weeks ago, um, he he tweeted straight away that that's the goal of the week. Um, Derek, what? What was your pick out award from what you've seen? Oh, I, 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 was, I was delighted with all seven Celtic goals. You know, <laughs> so considering, considering I had uh, three players in so like my fantasy football Scotland, uh, and I had Ryan Christie as a captain, he scores a hat trick, you know, so oh. like, uh, I, was, I was absolutely delighted with him. But, oh, uh, I only uh, had Ryan Christie as my vice captain. You don't think the next best player had the six. <laughs> the the Aberdeen goal I was uh, I, I, I thought how the the young boy scored the third the winner uh, fantastic goal you know uh, either that or Christie's first you know the technique so in the yeah. top corner so uh, there's a few there's a few goals there to pick for yeah I liked um, Alan Forrest for A&A. that was the third goal in that United game but um, I think we'll give it to Reese Devlin this week I'm going to say but the other join in that one. So Reese Devon's the winner of the pick out for this week, I think. Um See, when the Aberdeen fan in the podcast isn't giving it to Aberdeen's hedges. No. <laughs> we're not we're not completely biased. <laughs> we we both uh, said it was going <laughs> to sell it fans of the podcast. Aye, aye, Aberdeen one. <laughs> no, fair enough, it's a crack and go. Yeah. Fact, in, in, th- um, you mentioned Fantasy Football Scotland um, I just want to say thanks to everyone who joined our, um, our private league which I think had 42 teams in it in the end it, started, it was at 6 last Tuesday and then we just had a massive push um, in fact it was 41 so yeah thanks to everyone who I'm just up. delighted not to be sitting last so overjoyed I'm, yeah. I'm at the head heights of 16th <laughs> Yeah, I'm 30th. Um, Oof, I'm going to boast about that. No, I'm not boasting, trust me. I'm quite ashamed. <laughs> Some of the team names are brilliant, um, but the boy Austin who put his name I Your Do, Do Do, no, sorry, um, I don't like that one because that's another song gets stuck in my head for... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that well, would be my I, I was wrong, by the way. Christian was 33 and my next best player was Tavernier with three. <laughs> How did you, oh. <laughs> That's because he got an assist. Yeah, I get five for having there because I've got him as vice captain. But then I had Carl McGregor as captain. So I uh, see. I've got Morelos as captain. I think he'd maybe scored goals. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Uh, um, is there anything else you want to share from the world of football? Anything else? No, I just, I just want to say thanks to Derek for coming on and, and talking about uh, his experience as a referee. Um, yeah. That's interesting to hear. Yeah. So it's not uh, an area of, of football that um, I know too much about, so it's good to get an insight from someone who's been there for 13 years. Yeah, thanks, Derek. Delighted to come on to discuss a wee bit of referee. No problem. And you're welcome back on any time, even if it's not even to discuss referees. Um, if you just want to come on and discuss 
weekend action, but the likelihood is you'll be slagging referees anyway, so you're welcome <laughs> anytime. <laughs> yeah, you must see my tweets. <laughs> yeah, that's why I shouldn't have invited you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just nice to have an RCL to find the podcast for a change. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah, you outnumbered. Yeah, no, I'm up outnumbered. I don't like it. <laughs> no, delighted to come on, guys. Uh, thanks for for inviting us on. No problem, Derek. Thanks and thanks as usual, Chris, and thanks to everyone who's been subscribing. And hopefully the numbers will keep going up. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>